Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. And tonight is Bible study night. My God, my God, what a mighty God we serve. We are about to get into the story of Abraham. Abram. Y'all remember who that is. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. All right, so we're going to get started tonight. I'm a little off kilter because I had a challenging day today. So just soliciting your prayers as we continue uh, to endeavor to get through this Bible study tonight. I'm so excited. I love learning about our uh, patriarchs. Uh, So we're going to go ahead and get started. Father God, in the name of Jesus, as we come before your throne tonight, Lord God, I ask especially for me, Lord God, that you help us to shake off the woes and the worries of our day. Father God, as we come into your presence, we just ask that you will forgive us for every sin, seen and unseen, known and unknown, that we may stand before you through your righteousness. You are a mighty God. You're an awesome God. You are righteous and holy in all your ways. Father God, help me to deliver your word. Help us to learn together, Lord God, and help us to grow, Lord Jesus. We need a rhema word from you. We ask that you will speak through us, Lord God. Allow your anointing to flow. Let it rain down on us. Hide us, Lord God, that we will only see you, hear from you, be led guided and directed by you in Jesus holy name. Now Father God, we thank you. In Jesus name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. amen. All right, so we learned about uh Abraham. So, I just want to go over just a a few notes before we jump into our question and answer. I love the way that this study is because I feel like talking through the 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 subject helps us to retain it, like helps us to, to, re, to really retain it. Cause we, we learned about the creation. So we learned about the beginning with Adam and Eve and the fall of man. And then we learned about, uh, you know, Noah's generation. What, well, hold on, hold on. We learned about creation. We learned about the fall. What came after the fall? Joe. Uh-uh. Oh, um, the flood. Cain and Abel. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I skipped that too. That's why. I'm so mixed up. I'm thinking about what came after the flood. No. Okay, so let's start it over. We learned about the creation, mm-hmm. which was Adam and Eve and, and the fall of man. And then Cain and Abel. Right. And then and we jumping, but these are the milestones. And then after Cain and Abel was who? Noah. Yep, and then after Noah was Job. There you go. And so now we're about to start talking about the patriarchs. So when you think about uh the the story of Abraham, Abraham is the father of every nation. And so when I think back on my grandparents and understanding who my great-grandparents or great-great-grandparents, when it comes to the men in our family, we don't know a lot about them, you know. And I don't know about everybody, but when it comes to the men, because our men don't live long, you know, most of our men uh, die at, a, at an early age. And, um, and so we don't, we don't know a lot about them. And it's unfortunate because I thought that my dad 
was going to be different and live like till he was 80, 90 years old. He actually died when he was 63. So now we have to tell stories about him for the children to come. But he was such a great person, you know, great and terrible. But he was such a great person. But with Abraham, his generations, I mean, from the first generation up through us, we know so much about him. And the reason we know about him is because of the promise that God made. And they wanted to continue to tell that story. They wanted to continue throughout generations so that we know why we are reaping the blessings that we're reaping because we are the seed of Abraham. We are his descendants. We are direct descendants of Abraham. All right. Um, God remembered him because of the promise that he made to Adam and Eve. And as the, as the uh, traditions were passed down, Abraham trusted God. And so he walked with God. Uh, we learned, as we were just listening to the story in, in chapter 11, uh, that Abraham was a descendant of Shem. And they lived in a city called Ur. And that was uh, not far from where the people built the Tower of Babel. If you remember, when we started in chapter 11, they were talking about how God had scattered them because of their ambition to build a tower up to heaven. And we've talked about how similar things happen here, right? Mm -hmm. When they just went up there and took that telescope, which I, which those pictures were so beautiful from that telescope, <clears throat> but I guarantee you before the end of this year, we're going to pay for it. We're going to have a bunch of earthquakes. We're going to have a bunch of storms, all of that, just because God already taught us the lesson with them with the Tower of Babel. But what he did was he had to scatter their language because they were too smart together and they were able to talk. It was at one point in the earth, we had one language, one language. And with that one language, we were so intelligent that we tried to build a tower uh, up to heaven and God had to shut it down. So he had a wife named Sarai uh, and she had no children. And when she, during her time, not having children uh, was, was, it was shameful uh, to be barren. It was almost like being cursed. And I got to repent because before we got on this Bible study, I was agitated by somebody <laughs> and I said, I said, I ain't about to fight with nobody who ain't got no kids because <laughs> cause your generation going to be gone when you leave this earth. So why am I waste my breath arguing with you? That was so wrong. Lord, forgive me. But I, <laughs> I said that to Derek and then it was just a thought in my head. So I said it out loud, but I didn't give him the backstory. So I know he's like, what is wrong with? What, Ma, why would you just say that? But I felt it. But I repent now. I feel better. All right. So so in the beginning, uh, Abram, Abram and Sarai had no children. And so they really, really wanted a child. And they especially wanted a son. And what a lot of times is not taught in the church is the reason that the male child was so important 
is because they did a lot of um, agricultural, uh, ag- agricultural, who going to say it? Agricultural. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of what they did was they had to till the land. They had to grow. They had to, it was a lot of manual work. So to have a male child was seen as a blessing because they could carry the load or the burden. So to not have a, a male child uh, was, was considered to be shameful, but, but to really not have children at all, was it was almost like you were not able to do your duty as a wife uh, to your son, I mean, to your husband, Lord, Lord Jesus. All right. So the people in uh, Mesopotamia, uh, where Abram lived, they worshiped idols. So remember, it talked about he was from Mesopotamia. Uh, and and that he his family his father actually worshipped idols, but Abram believed and he obeyed God. So there was somewhere along that bloodline that they were taught about who God was, because you remember when we talked about uh, Adam and Eve how they pass down the knowledge of God to their children. uh, And then their children pass it down to their children's children all the way to Seth and and Cain, right? Passing it down to their children because remember Seth, uh, Noah came from Seth's bloodline. Remember that? Mm -hmm. And then we learned that uh, his wife, what was her name? Naoma, Naoma or something like that. She came from Cain's bloodline. So on both sides, they learned about who God was and how to worship God. And so that trickled down to um, Abram because he was a descendant of, um, of Shem. So y'all, do you remember who Shem was? Shem is somebody's son. Yep. Of course. Yep. But who? If you think about it, if we're talking now about Abram, yep, that was Noah's son. That was Noah's son. So, so he was a descendant. And remember, Noah loved um, uh, God. And it was because of his righteousness that his entire family was saved. But it ain't say his kids were saved. Right. Wait, (laughs) I'm sorry. Who was um, Abram's dad? Shem. Okay, Abram's dad. Shem. Yes, Shem was his dad, and who was Shem's dad? Noah. Yep, so those, so those generations. And so when you think about it, Noah was tied to Adam. Remember we talked about the four generations and how right now we look at KK, and KK, you know, got me, and, and then she had Granny, and if my grandmother would have lived, you know, during that time she would have seen her. But who, who did we have? Trisha, Trisha, Trisha baby, her oldest baby, Trisha, Deirdre, my mama, and granny. They all lived in the earth at the same time. That's five generations, right? So they had those five generations. So when you think about Noah and then Shem and then his little boy, Abram, Abram had to know Noah. Like that kind of stuff just excites me. So he... Uh, his family worshiped down. And so, um, no, Abram 
was a descendant of Shem. So let me correct that. Terah was Abram's father. So it was Terah who was Abram's father. Shem was Terah's father. Because I was going to say, I know Noah did not do all of that for his son to be worshipped. <laughs> <laughs> but it was his grandson, Tara, doing that. And ain't that how the generations go? And that's yeah. why it's so important when KK and, and Elise come over that I talk about God. I want them to know who God is. And I feel like that's my responsibility. Okay, so, so Abram's father left Ur which is where they were from, and he went to Haran. And so Abram and, uh, and Sarai went with him. And Abram's uh, nephew Lot, remember we were introduced to Lot in Genesis 11, they lived there until uh, Abram's father died. And so God talked to Abram, and he told him to go to another land. He said, come up out of there. And what I learned that is not directly mentioned in the Bible, but I learned it through um, uh, other study, is that Abram was 95. He, wait a minute. He was, he was 75 and then 25. So he was, he was 75 when God told him to leave his father's land. And he was 100 when he actually had his son. So if you think about it, a lot of people who are late in life and knowing God, it's still not too late. And me and Annie Neen were joking about that with somebody we were talking about, not your daddy, but somebody <laughs> else. Like, you know, it's, it's not too late. They, they, can, they can learn who God is, you know. So anyway, so he told him to go to another land. Uh, and in that time, they didn't have the written word. So God spoke to them directly. And so remember when we talked about God's spirit and how his three part. Sorry, y'all. Yeah, because I got something serious going on here. Huh? Yeah, I was seeing if she wanted that chair. Oh, um, so God, what was I at? What was I saying? Oh, um, they told him to leave? They told him to leave. Oh, no, I was making a point that God spoke to them directly. So the Holy Spirit was there during that time, but it was external to the body. Now we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us. So the, the voice that Abram heard was an external voice. The voice that we hear is in our inner ear. So the Holy Spirit and Jesus and, and the, the, the uh, triune God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was existent even in the Old Testament as well as it is today. You know, we, we still have that advantage, but, but now we have the written word and God speaks to us through our, you know, it, internally, all right, versus external. Um. I'm just reading through a few things so we can get to these questions. So so most of the people during that time, they had turned away from God and they um, they actually forgot 
the promises that he made. So, so where we just talked about how, you know, how could Noah let his sons, you know, after all that he went through to turn from God. And it's because we don't do our due diligence. We just take for granted that when we are walking in the promise and we live in off the fat of the land, that that's going to transfer into our next generation. But it really doesn't. We have to do things like what we're doing today. And as staggered as it may seem, we're still learning. Like we're learning. What we're doing right now today, you all are going to be able to pour into your children and your grandchildren. And we're, this foundation that God is laying for us is because he's saying, look, I need to get you back to understanding who I am understanding how great a nation that you are, the nation that was within you to be great, to bring forth my kingdom into the earth. So uh, God made the promise to Abram that he would bless him and that he would be the father of many nations. He also told him, he said, look, those who bless you, I'm going to bless them. Those who curse you, I'm going to curse them. So y'all better know who y'all are. Y'all are a direct descendant of Abraham, folk be out here trying to curse people. They better be careful. Um, and so he made this promise to bless the earth through Abraham. And so uh, at the time when the promise was made, he told him, look, I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to give you a seed in your old age. And you're going to bring forth and out of that seed is going to be birth um, a, a many, many nations, right? He told him, I want you to look and see, you know, the, the grains of sand, you won't even be able to count the stars in the sky, you know, equivalent to how many, um, how many descendants that you're going to have. And, and if you think about it right now, there are how many people in the world, like million, billion, like you know, billion. If you can imagine, all of them are the seed of Abraham. And when I was thinking after my mom passed, and I just started thinking about how if you don't get cremated, but even when you get cremated, it's like the physical body is here for eternity. Like as long as the earth is here, the physical body is here because you can go to the grave sites. You can still, you know, experience them. So all of these generations up until the beginning of time or Abraham's generation, all of them were descendants from him, from, from his, you know, first generation. All right. So anyway, another part of the story that we read about was his nephew, Lot. So remember, Lot and Abram, they left together when his father left Ur. They left together and they lived together. And then God said, I want you to leave your father's house. And then Abram and Lot went together and they couldn't their people couldn't get along. And so. They said, look, it's better for us instead of fighting. It's going to be better for us to separate and get these people separated from each other. And then they broke off. And, you know, when we continue with the story a lot, we're going to learn a little bit more about, you know, how he went to Sodom and Gomorrah and his wife and all of that stuff that happened with her. But we didn't get that far because we stopped at 14. But that's the next part that we're going to get into. But, but imagine how close they had to be. You know, you ever had a family member that's just like, it's like we're going to raise our families together. We're going to, you know, go in the same direction, all of that stuff. That's that's how tight they were. And then the other thing, too, is they said that that was his nephew. But back then, 
the way that the their families were meshed together. Like remember the part of the story where he said Sarah was his sister, mm-hmm. and he did that a couple of times. He he actually told a few kings that that Sarah was his sister because he wanted to gain favor. And so back then they were so ruthless that look, if you come into my territory and you got a beautiful woman and it's your wife, I'm gonna kill you so I could take your wife. And so he said, look, tell them that you're my sister. And actually, she was his sister. She was his half-sister. She was his father's daughter, but not his mother's. Mm. But then in that time, what we don't know for sure is if she was his sister or cousin. But it was like somewhere down in that father's bloodline. But, But the same thing with Lot. Like Lot, they call him his nephew, but again, that means that he was a descendant of, you know, one of his siblings. But you don't know if that was somewhere, you know, down the line too. But anyway, so so I wanted to go over those key things before we kind of jumped into uh, conversation. I'm not I'm not even gonna touch lot, but uh, I wanted to give y'all a good overview of Abraham and and Abram and. And what was the thing when God made the promise to him and told him that he was going to have a, a a son and Sarah heard him? What did she do? Y'all remember? She had one of their um, workers have his son. Yeah, that was after. Um, but when the promise was oh, told to laughed. him, she laughed. She laughed. She laughed and then she lied. She laughed and then she told God that she didn't lie. I mean, she didn't laugh. She was like, I didn't laugh. But the thing is, Abraham laughed too. Because who who going to have a kid as old as they were? So they thought it was funny. But God showed them. He was like, yeah, I, I got this. All right, so, so we're going to start going through um, some of the questions here. All right, but here are, here are a few other facts, right, from, from the study. Is that God pulls people from unlikely positions to use them for his purpose, right? So Abraham was not someone that was of great stature. He wasn't somebody who was of, uh, you know, great abilities, but he loved God and he honored God and he obeyed God. So he was ripe for being used by God. And that's the thing we have to understand. We ain't got to be perfect in everything. God is going to fill in the gaps according to the plans that he has for our lives. So he'll use unlikely people from different positions to do what he needs to have done. All right, so even when God's word is confusing, uh, we must still respond in obedience, even when we don't understand it. When he told him, he said, I will make you a great nation, and he ain't had no kids and an old wife. Like, like, can you think of anything that God has promised you that you're thinking in your mind, there's no way that this will happen. Like, I can look at my life when I, I had my first child at 17 years old, 17 years old. And so when I had Sierra, I was still in school. I didn't have any degrees. I didn't have anything. And I, I had been so broken to the point that I thought that my life, I didn't see my life as beginning. I saw my life as on the brink of ending. Not because I was having a child, but because I had endured so much. But there's no way you could have convinced me, uh, what, 30 years ago that, or whatever, maybe 25, 30 years ago that 
God would have taken me from there to here. Never, ever could I have imagined that. And sometimes when we start looking at our present circumstance and we like, dang, I know I heard God say this. I know God said that I was great. I know that God said when I had my children that each of them were functioning in the fivefold ministry. Not only did he tell me that, it kept being prophesied to me. But no matter what the situation is, and I look at, you know, I may laugh like uh, Sarai or try to manipulate the situation and make it happen my own way, like her getting, you know, her uh, her uh, handmaiden to, to have the baby. But it doesn't change God's uh, requirements. So one thing we can learn from Abraham's experience, he didn't have an Abraham to learn from, but we do, is that when God says something that's confusing to you, just walk in obedience, all right? So God desires to bless and use people, even those who don't know him. Now, remember I told you, it wasn't until Abram was 75 years old that he left his land to begin to walk with God. And the other thing about Abram, that the, the story in the Bible is not, it, it brings out, but it's not as uh, obvious about, is the fact that, Abram was more like a nomad. He he didn't have a, a place or a space of his own. He went from place to place. And the way I look at it is he had to lay the foundation, you know, for all of those families that he was about to put in the earth. But he was he was actually a nomad. All right. So so uh following God's plan for your life will bring uh major changes in you and in those around you and in your situation. So it's important that we remember that our lives are not our own. It's not just about us. It's not about, we all are, are we're enjoying this experience. We are first partakers of what God is doing. And I don't even think that we fully grasp the magnitude of what God is doing in this season. We probably don't even realize it until five, 10 years uh, out. But it's not about us. It's about the work that God desires for us to do in the earth. And we have to remember that our life is not about us. It's not our own. And when we walk in his will, it changes everything around us and all those around us in situations and circumstances. There, there were times in my life that I struggled with my walk, but I remembered that God has a bigger plan, a bigger purpose for me. And when I would get back into what God called me to do, I mean, I would start seeing family members, you know, coming to God, different things. I mean, just strongholds being broken just simply because I was walking in obedience to what God called me to do, which was intercede, pray, you know, and keep my family covered. All right. All right. So you don't uh, suddenly become perfect when we submit to God's purpose. And the thing is, I'm very careful about how we define perfection. Perfection has a lot to do with the intent of your heart and the things that you do. It's not perfect in man's standards. It's perfect in obedience. And so Abram was not a perfect man. As a matter of fact, he was a liar. He did a lot of lying. <laughs> like if you study him, right? he did a lot of manipulating and to be honest, I think that's validation to me that he was a black man, not that black men be lying, but they be hustling. And it's like, <laughs> you remind me of some men from Detroit. 
Tell you know, sister. Let's right, get right. Come on, come on. We got, we got to do this. We got, you know, stuff like that. So, so he reminds me of a lot of what we experience, and that's how I know he, he's real. Okay. So we must always be ready to hear from God as He leads us, and then God will always um, allow us to make foolish decisions. That's the thing that we have to remember: is that when God tells us to do something. If we don't walk in obedience to what God says do, he will let us do it. He'll, he, as a matter of fact, God is the type of God that he'll give you more of what you ask for, even if you don't need it. Just to teach you the lesson, right? Like the situation that I'm struggling with that, that kind of got me off kilter with, um, with, with study tonight. Because I'm so frustrated with some things that's going on on my job. But from the beginning, the very beginning of this situation, I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. And then here I go. I just did it because I felt like, hey, I needed to get something done. And now a month later, I'm still dealing with the fallout from it. And I'm getting a serious attitude. And, and it may cost me. Not cost me my job because I know I want to go do something better, but it, it may cause me to have to move on. But anyway, always be ready to hear from God and, and be led by God. All right. So God will always allow us to make foolish decisions. Uh, he's able to protect us as well when we do. And that's the grace of God, right? Listen, you reap what you sow. And so there is a sowing and reaping principle that we know that if we walk in sin and we do things that God has told us not to do, there's a consequence. The consequence may not always be immediate, but sometimes when we are covered under grace, we still have to live those consequences out, but God gives us the grace to be able to endure, all right? So choosing by sight is not always um, the best option. Choosing what we see right? We, God made them a promise and he told them that something was going to happen and they believed what they wanted to believe. So they were like, we're going to, we're going to make this happen. All right, uh, Mary, get into Joshua 24 and 2. Okay. I want you to read that for me. Is the message Bible okay? Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, Joshua 24 and 2. Wherever it starts you, because I know it ain't going to start you at 2 if you get in the message. We go to the new version. Okay. Joshua said to all the people, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham, and Nora, lived beyond the Euphrates. Um, is that how you say it now? Euphrates river. Euphrates, Euphrates river and worship other gods. I can read it again. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nor, lived beyond the Euphrates river and worship other gods. So what does that tell us about the family, family dynamics of um of of Abraham's family or Abram's family that they was worshiping other gods 
and 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 they they went astray from what they had been taught right from generation to generation they were a rebellious generation that turned from god and so when you go all the way back to the fall we know what causes us to turn right is that we rely on our own identity and we turn from the identity that god has given us so what does that let us know about his family is that his family were full of um their own fleshly desires right? right because they wanted to worship these gods who this this is what i don't understand too because i've been walking in a relationship with christ since i was about 17 years old and there's nothing that i've ever experienced with god that has been fake right you understand what i'm saying like like people manipulate the truth to worship these gods who are not living you know so it's like, why, why would you even want to want to do that? All right. So what major changes does God tell Abram to make? And what must he leave behind? And what is God doing with Abram's identity? I would say the major changes he told him to make is to leave his home place. And he's leaving behind the confusion of seeing all those people serve other gods. So it's shaping his identity to be closer and more like God. So God is calling him out of the old and into the new. And it's sometimes God has to call us out of stuff. Sometimes we got to come straight out of things in order to start walking directly with God. Can you imagine having that, that uh, support system full of people who had a philosophy that was contrary to to god's way and every time you try to go back against what you know is wrong they're going to be there to you know rile you up oh no this is the right way because these are our traditions and god said nope i need to get you out of there i need to get you away from there so that you can come into the new and sometimes we got to come out we got to come out of the situation come out from amongst people, and then go in God's direction and leave them behind. All right, so what promises does God make to Abram? That he will be the father of many nations. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, he's going to bless them, and if someone tries to curse them, he'll curse them. Yep, and then what else? He promised them that he would have a son. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So what's Abram's response to God? How did he respond to God when God made those promises to him? Is the same response that Sarah had? Oh. That's that. For for his son, yes, that is true. But what did, what did, um, how did he respond to God when God made him the promises? He walked in obedience, like he obeyed God. When God said, I promise you this, he walked in obedience and he continued to serve God. Uh, how old is Abram when he leaves? Um, 75. 75. <laughs> uh, who currently lives um in and controls the land uh uh abram traveled through 
Egyptians? If you, if this is the thing that sometimes I, I love to, to just think about is that as the, you can, you can kind of like see the breadcrumbs from how God was just building things up to that climactic mo- moment where Abraham walked the same grounds and he walked the same land that eventually his descendants had to had to walk and had to live and endure, you know, certain things. But God said, but I have a promise for you. I have a promise. And so he said, those who bless you, I will bless them. Those who curse you, I will curse them. And when he said you, that's an extension of him. So the, the children of Israel, they're an extension of him. And what did God do? He lived out his promise. He said, those who bless you, I bless them. Those who curse you, I curse them. And what happened to them? They got cursed when they tried to enslave the children of Israel for those 400 years. Now, we know that certain things reoccur in history. And we saw it happen here in the United States. And so I don't say nothing about monkeypox. All right, so let's get to the next thing. Uh, what does God say will happen with the land? With the land after he told Abraham to leave? That he lived in. The land that he lived in, he was traveling through. Go back to Genesis around 27. Genesis chapter 12, around 27? Uh, 11. Okay. Around 27. Stop playing with me. I got some serious. Oh, I found it. All right. Look. And you read it. Wait, which one? Right here. This one right here. Mm-hmm. To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar to the Lord. Also there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And so, uh, Abram's response to God's word, once again, was what? He walked in obedience to God's word. Right. And so he lived out what God had promised him. All right, so go to uh, Genesis 12, and I want you to read 10 through 20. Okay. Abram, Abram in Egypt. Now there was a famine. I'm sorry, you said Genesis 12, 10 through 20? Mm-hmm. Okay. Abram in Egypt. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he went to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so I will be treated well and well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. When Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw Sarai and was very 
was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into the palace. He treated Abram well for her sake and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious disease on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarah. So Pharaoh summoned Abram. What have you done to me? He said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife? Now then, here's your wife. Take her and go. Then Pharaoh gave orders about Abram and his men, and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had. So in Genesis, I mean, in in this passage, what was happening in the land that Abram traveled through? So what was actually happening at that time? Uh, sounds like it was a famine going on. And, and it talks about, and, uh, I didn't hear you read this part. I went to the NIV version. Yeah, but where, where I'm going, because I was, I probably was a little bit, uh, ahead of you. Uh, because the Canaanites had occupied the land. So there was a famine, but what caused a lot of what was going on, right? They they weren't just having a famine. I mean, they were having a bad Sunday. You know, they mm-hmm. got occupied then. You know, the famine came. So y'all already being beat up. Y'all right. should learn y'all lesson about messing with people. But anyway, all right. So what is his answer to this problem? Is he looking... Uh, is he looking for God? I mean, for what God wants him to do. While he's in the land? While he's in the land. Yeah, I don't know. I would say yes. I feel I I personally believe that Abram was being very selfish yeah. during that time. Like I think he was looking at the circumstance and a lot of times we let fear set in. And it's like instead of me, which at that time he may not have fully understood the authority that he walked in. Instead of me being concerned about what's going on around me, I'm, I have a fear because I know famine is in the land. I know that they've just been conquered. And so let me hide behind my wife and be like, uh, you tell them you're my sister. And collect the riches. And collect, right. So, so I don't think that he was necessarily wondering what God wanted him to do. I think he was more so trying to see how he could survive um, what what had happened. So that that's just my take on it. Um, what does Abram tell Sarai uh, as they are about to enter Egypt? And why does he do this? Yeah, what does he t- tell her when they're about to enter Egypt and why? To pretend that she's his sister because they would try to kill him because she's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. 
and 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 because she's so beautiful, and plus I feel like he thought he was gonna get some favor with Pharaoh. You know, he he's he schemed because he lacked the faith while he was while he walked in obedience to God's will and what God had called him to do. When he called him out a few scriptures ahead, I mean above. The next thing you know, now fear sets in, and he's acting out of fear and not out of faith. So he's he's walking by sight and not by faith, and he's looking at the situation. And so, what happens when Abram and Sarai when they actually enter into um, Egypt? They did exactly what he thought they would do, and thought she was beautiful, and the Pharaoh took her as a wife. And then what happens to Abram because of Sarai? Because he took her as a wife. He gets favor. Pharaoh got mad. Oh, he yeah. said, "Why would you? Why would you do that? Why would you like you? First of all, uh, do y'all? Okay, let me ask this question. Do you remember what happened? Um, and you you just read it. What happened?" That caused him to say, "Hey, what have you done? Why did you tell me that she was she was your wife? Why you tell me that she was your uh, sister?" Yes, um, I just read it, but basically, oh, the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household. And so he's like, "Why would you do that? Why you put that on me? Right. You you lied." Right. And so that shows us too. That God is a God of consequences. He's a God of love. He's a God of, of uh, grace and favor. But he's a God of principle. And so, hey, you messing with his wife, it's his wife. So, you know, you got to pay the consequences. Um, what happens to Sarah? At what point? Like when she At all. Oh, yeah. She, was, she became the Pharaoh's wife. But nothing, like nothing happened to yeah. him. Nothing. So if you look at that in contrast to what happened to uh, um, Eve, remember, remember what Eve, Eve actually did an act of sin. Sarah, even though she was following her husband's lead, if you look at the character of God, it shows us something about his identity. It's like, okay, well, why did he punish Eve and not punish Sarai because Sarai was following the instruction and order of her husband. Uh, how does God use Abram's uh, foolish plans to actually bless him? He got blessed by the Pharaoh uh, in the favor of that stuff when yep. he thought it was his sister. And what did, what did he get? Read, read seven, 16 and 17. Uh, let India read it. Okay. Um, he treated Abram well for her sake, and Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and camels. He said seventeen too. Mm-hmm. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abram's wife, Sarai. 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 Is it Sarai or Sarai? Sarai at that point, because she, because before the promise of the son, they were Abram and Sarai. And after the promise, they became Abraham and Sarah. So, so this was before the prom- before the uh, promise of the son. 
Uh, but this is funny, right? Because God, well, not really funny, but he, he used that foolish decision to actually increase him in wealth. And so sometimes we, we might get a little confused because God will, we know what we did. We know exactly what the lie we told and what we did, but God still through his mercy, he may allow us to, you know, to have favor or increase, but don't get it twisted. You don't want to have a lifestyle of, of sin, but I've, I walked in some Abram situation. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I made a little bit more, or or yeah, I did this for twenty years, or you know, that's that's what Abram did. You know, he told that little little lie. I ain't gonna say white lie, but he told that little lie. All right, so we go to Genesis. I want you to go to Genesis thirteen, the last chapter that we read. All right, so let's see. Let me see something real quick. Yeah, I I think I can get through this real quick because I, I I want you guys to hear it so that you can answer the questions. All right, so Abram so Abram left Egypt and went back to uh, Najib. He and his wife and everything he owned and Lot still with him. By now, Abram was rich, was very rich, loaded with cattle and silver and gold. So imagine he he went there with nothing. Right. Then you're gonna turn around and lie that, that this is you know your wife and it was your sister. And look at how God just blessed you. He blessed you not because of what you did, but because of what He said. Right. It's amazing the God that we serve. All right, so he moved from Najib, camping along the way to Bethel, and uh, the place he had first set up his tent between Bethel and A and built his first altar. Abram prayed there to God. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, was also rich in sheep and cattle and tents. You cannot convince me that these ain't two brothers. (laughs) I ain't gonna say what's in my head to say, but y'all know the word I like to use that y'all daddy hate. Y'all done both went to Ohio and hit a lick. Come on now. And y'all, oh my goodness. All right, I'm just going to leave it alone. But the land couldn't support both of them. They had too many possessions. So imagine y'all coming, y'all done hit the lick, and I ain't talking about no drugs or nothing like that. Y'all just found some good jobs. And now it's like, okay, this we got too much for both of us to be here. Uh, they couldn't both live there and quarrels broke out between Abram's shepherds and Lot's shepherds. So now they boys getting into it. Why? Why do that always happen? We see that with celebrities with big entourages. Why y'all friends getting y'all friends, but then they can't get along. All right. The Canaanites and the uh, Perizzites uh, were also living in the land at the tent at the time. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have fighting between us, between your shepherds and my shepherds. After all, we're family. Look around. Isn't there plenty of land for us out there? Let's separate. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. And Lot looked. uh, He saw the whole plain of the Jordan spread out while uh, well watered. This was before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Like God's garden, like Egypt, and out and stretching all the way from Zor, uh, Lot took the whole plain of the Jordan. 
Lot set out to the east. Now, the east, is, is that's where the plot thickens, right? Because if you're watching a mystery story and you're trying to collect the clues as you go through, if you notice in the beginning, when God kicked them out, when he kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, he sent them east. When he kicked Cain out um, from amongst his family, where did he go? He went east. So the fact that Lot is going east, that tells me radar, radar, something is going wrong. But anyway, that's how they came to part company. Uncle and nephew, Abram settled in Canaan. Lot settled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. The people of Sodom were what? Evil. Fragrant sinners against God. Now they know he done told you come out from amongst the heathens and the idol worshipers, and now you're gonna go to some evil people. But anyway, he wasn't smart. At the lot separated from him, God said to Abram, Open your eyes, look around, look north, south, east, and west. Everything you see, the whole land spread out before you, I will give to you and your children forever. I'll make your descendants like dust. Counting your descendants will be as impossible as counting the dust of the earth or the sand, the grain of sand. Oh, my God. So on your feet, get moving. Walk through. Sorry, yeah. Walk through the country is length and breadth. I'm giving it all to you. Abram moved his tent. He went and settled in the Oak of uh, Murray in Hebron. There he built an altar to God. So can you imagine God making this promise? He like, look, this was even before he promised him his son, right? He said, I'm going to give you all of this land. I'm going to make you the father of nations. And all of these things occur. All right, so along with, with um, family, what does Abram take with him out of Egypt? What does he what does this tell us about God? So along with family, what does Abram take with him out of Egypt? Oh, a lot of wealth. A lot of wealth. So what does this tell us about God? What do you what do you think this says about the God we serve? He keeps his promises. He keeps his promises. And and what else, India? What do you think that tells us about God? Because think about it. Abram was a liar. <laughs> he, was, he was like, you know, one of them brothers. It's like, look, if I come up, I'm, I'm bringing you up with me. Right. But at the same time, God could have easily said, no, uh-uh. you know what? Tit for tat. You did that. I'm not going to get. But it shows me the mercy and the grace of God, right? Mm-hmm. To let you just continue because he knew his heart. He knew the end from the beginning. And sometimes we beat ourselves up, you know, and it's, we make mistakes, you know, we're human. And so if I feel one more bump on me, I'm telling you, this, this is making me upset. Um, we're human, so we make mistakes. But sometimes God, if it was up to me, I would have wiped out a lot of my wealth, right? Because I was walking in disobedience to his will. But he's not that kind of guy. He, he was like, yeah. You're going to get this because I promised it to you. All right. Where does he stop? Where does he stop? And what is significant about that place? And what is different about Abram at that time? Where did he stop? Bethel? 
between Yep, A or I or A. And so he 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 did what though? What did he do? He put up a tent for the purpose of what? Of being able to build an altar. He built his first altar. And so that's significant because no matter what he was going going through or, or what happened, he maintained his relationship with God. We have to maintain our relationship with God. I don't care what state you're in. Like I, I made a funny comment to somebody the other day and I was like, well, what, what purpose do you have coming to prayer? If Okay, whatever. <laughs> it's such and such and so and so. And they were like, well, the more I come to prayer, the better, you know, my, my circumstances. And that's true. Never, ever, ever forfeit your relationship with God, no matter, you know, where you are in life or what issues you um, endure. So what what happens? What issues arise with them? With Lot and Abel? With, yeah. Their, um, their flocks and stuff, they were fighting because They're, they had too much wealth and too much stuff that it wasn't enough room for them both. Right, so their shepherds started fighting, and it's so funny. Listen, I I I tell y'all to at this right, and I joke about it, but then again, I don't know. It, it might be true, but I feel like the glue that holds us together is our struggle, and so I, sometimes I I worry if we ever were really really prosperous, if we would survive, right? Because it's that struggle that keeps us drawn to each other. And I think that's why God allowed us to struggle so much so that we can grow that bond, right? So that when we do make it to wherever, we won't, uh, <laughs> we won't separate. But, pe- but some relationships are like that. Like some people are like that. Like if we grinding together, we good. But as soon as somebody gets something, then it's all that fighting. And it's like, why? Why are y'all fighting? Everybody got their own. Y'all got a lot. We got a lot. We got land. Y'all got land. You know, but they just could not get it together and they couldn't live together. All right. So what option does um, he give to Lot and how can he give up his right uh, to, oh, 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 that was good. Oh, okay. How can he give up his right to make the first choice about the land? And what does that tell us about living by faith instead of by sight? India, you want to answer the first part with what option? Wait, what was the question? What what option did Abram give Lot? Let's not have any quarreling quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine for we are close relatives. Yeah. And then he told him, he told him he could do what? Um, not the whole land before you let's part company. If you go left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. So he gave him the first right to decide whatever way you want to go. Whatever you want. Some, oh, that is so like me. Like sometimes, <laughs> I don't like fighting with people. Like I will fight. If I got to fight, you know, I'll fight. 
but I don't like fighting. I'd rather give it to you. Like, look, if you want this, go on and take it. You know why? Because I know if God gave it to me, he'll give it to me again. Right. And that's the same thing with Abram. I guess I answered the second question, <laughs> you know. How did he? How does he really give up that right? Because he trusts God. He trusts the promise that God had already 